just diligence in general because of going from risk to operational improvement the value creation requires many many more skill sets much better skill sets Welcome to The Wrap, Resourceive as a Podcast. I'm Nick Cressy, Managing Director of Strategic Partnerships, joined by our President Kyle Hall. This podcast will feature conversations with guests ranging from industry thought leaders to private equity operators and technology innovators, all with an aligned focus on delivering business outcomes. Whether you're an operating partner at a private equity firm, a CIO, or other business leader, tune in weekly as we share insights from the expanding playing field of digital transformation. Today, we're talking with John Bizak, founder of Performance Improvement Partners. We talk value creation in IT for private equity and their portfolio companies. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Wrap, John Bizak, founder of Performance Improvement Partners. What is going on, John? It's just trying to keep up with the demand out there with all the deals getting done. A lot of dry powder and a lot of companies getting bought. So we're really excited about that. Man, private equity is crazy. 2021 was a record-breaking year. They're saying 2022 will... We'll break the previous record. Before we get into that, set a little context. You guys are one of our oldest and best partners, probably our best partner, historically speaking. Give us a background of yourself and PIP. Sure. Real real quick. My name is John Bisek. As you said, I'm the founder of Performance Improvement Partners. Founded the firm in 2003, June 1st. And I remember the day because it was one of the scariest days of my life. Long story short, my background is both on the consulting and the corporate side. And there were things I liked about consulting firms, and there were things I didn't like, whether I was an acquirer of the services or provider of the services. And the things I tended not to like was projects taking longer, projects costing more money, and then the knowledge going outside the door. And so I really wanted to build a company that approached consulting from a different perspective and, you know, leverage the internal organization, help the client get stronger and not be dependent upon us. And part of that is getting projects done on time, on budget. And that's how I got to the whole private equity concept, the idea of you know value creation in, in one 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 entry point in one introduction to multiple companies, you know, provided that you perform well. So that's that's a little bit about my background. Absolutely. And private equity, of course, that's a common theme of, of this podcast. So let's talk about kind of the differences in the market. You're in business for now almost 20 years. How has IT consulting changed since breaking into the market to what you're doing now? You know, it's interesting you, you say that, Nick. It's it's actually changed drastically. When I first started the company, nobody even did IT diligence at all, or certainly very limited. And within a couple of years, you know, with with projects going south and things not going well, private equity firms are realizing, you know, that they really need to kind of get this right. Therefore, conduct diligences on the companies and know, and know what they're getting into. And it was interesting. It first started out as risk. What are the risks we have? Is there a project going ongoing, a big ERP implementation, which is always always something you take a very close look at because buying a company in the midst of that is, is a very risky thing. And so it started out as, as, as just, just tell us what the risks are. What, what are we getting into? And then years later, after the crash in, in, in 08 and 09, it, what came out of it was we're interested in operational improvements. You know, How do we make these companies better? And now it's all about value creation. It's all about we're paying huge multiple for these companies. What is it that we can find out about it that somebody else hasn't figured out and leverage technology? So it's, it's all those other three things, you know, those three in total. It is about risk. What are the risks? It is about making operationally better. But also on top of that, value creation that can come in, in many, many ways. 
Yeah, so true. And and one of the things that jumps out to me is well, I've been in the business for what five years now. It sounds like IT diligence is kind of it came on fast, similar to cybersecurity diligence. You cannot shortcut that now. Cyber is everywhere. And it's just funny to think of a world where IT diligence wasn't part of the playbook because any P firm I'm talking to right now, that's where they're like, how can we get you in here? Yeah, it's interesting. You you know, that's a real interesting point you bring up that I didn't even think about. And that is, we didn't do cyber when diligence started. And then it was an offering and I, you know, I don't know, they don't quote me an exact number, but I would say maybe one or two out of 10 people would do cyber. It increased over the years, every single diligence, I, I, I'd venture to say, or certainly close to it, unless they've, they've gotten some sort of report, people do do cyber, cyber on the diligence side. What's even kind of progressed even more is, and the issue isn't if you're going to get hacked, the issue is when and how serious, and you probably have, and you just don't know it. Now, what is really a big area is portfolio-wide cyber reviews, and then tr- not just expecting that the portfolio companies will make the improvements, but tracking that as we go along. And we've had a couple situations where clients didn't react to it and they got shut down. And then what happens is if you get shut down, now the world knows that you have a portfolio company shut down and your other portfolio companies are vulnerable as well. So now, now it becomes not only, and we've got situations where people have been shut down for weeks weeks. It's, it's pretty serious. It's very serious. And I think it, it, our go-to-markets are similar in a sense that we try to establish that partnership at the private equity level. Right. Because you know, if, if we get that buy-in at the operating partner level or even the LP level in some instances, depending on the size of the firm, the P, obviously the portfolio companies are going to be listening to an extend, extension of that, of that OP team. So of, of course, something as serious as security is something that even IT teams with, with no CISO or, or maybe a CFO is, is kind of dual hatting. They need the help. Right. We've been involved in a couple of those portfolio-wide assessments. And it's really interesting, right? Because you've got this wide array of companies, you know, every, every, everywhere from, from some that are pretty close to, you know, kind of best-in-class cyber posture, all the way to some that are, you know, like they haven't thought about it at all. And so you go through, and I think it's a, a pretty solid way for the firm to prioritize the risk because you, you know, it's not really just the risk in one company; it's a risk across a portfolio. So how do you get that holistic view and decide, hey, where, which of these do we need to prioritize? Because they're not all the same. Everyone needs to be doing something, but you got to get those ones that are in the back of the pack up, up near the front, and establish some sort of standard that says, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in this portfolio. You've got to be protecting our investment. You make a really, really good point. And, and, you know, if I'm one company, I have the risk of my one company. If I'm a private equity firm and I got 10 to 25, some north of that companies, I, I, it's going to happen in multiple places to me. I've seen some of our biggest projects on the cyber side are CEOs that chose, you know, that just didn't take it seriously. And, and you have to take it very, very seriously. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that you spend money. It's kind of like uh, you're doing, you're spending money on your house and it'd be nice to add a new deck, but you're doing something that's below ground that you never see, but it's protecting you, right? You know, you don't get to see it, but you don't, you don't also get the issues that come with it. Yeah. I want to go back a step because it's, it's interesting. You know, we talked about, we talked about initially we're looking at, at what are the risks in this investment? Then what are the operational efficiencies? What are the value creation levers, which is kind of my favorite. I really enjoy focusing on that mm-hmm. when we go into companies. You know, what's the current cyber posture and what's it going to take to get them up to a standard? 
you know, the interesting thing about that, right, is it's not, it didn't change from one of those. Each of those is another layer that's added on, you know, it's right. more and more diligence that's occurring. You know, you guys have been at this a long time. What has that been like, even just from a, from your perspective, even in the talent management, right, you have to bring in more and more and, and more capable partners and people. Like, what has that journey been like for you? Because I know that's been a lot of your focus over the years. Yeah, and that, that's a great question. Our partnership with you folks, it's 10 plus years. I can't, it's, it's well north of 10 years. And, and I've known Tom Geske, your founder, for a long time. And you, you're the kind of one firm that, that is our sole provider because we typically have multiple firms in a, in a category because each situation is a little bit different. You know, when you, you, you did a diligence back in you know, 2004 and five. You only needed a couple of resources, right? Now you need, you know, now you need multiple resources and you don't just need an infrastructure. Like you could do a high level cyber with infrastructure guy or gal, but now you really need a cyber expert in that area or a cyber firm in that area. So it's just diligence in general because of going from risk to operational improvement. The value creation requires many, many more skill sets, much better skill sets you know, top-notch people, because you got to, that, that diligence isn't a checklist. I mean, our, our, we always prided ourselves on, it never was a checklist. It was more of a kind of a mini roadmap, but now it's less mini. It's not a roadmap by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's got to be a very comprehensive document that is articulated in business terms and r- refers to the technology investments that are required you know, from a, from a business perspective, it's all about aligning technology spending to business priorities. And obviously continuing to operate is a big business priority and that related to, so that, so the, so the cyber thing is more of a, you know, how do I mitigate risk where your other services, you know, trans, I mean, listen, we've had some dramatic, dramatic improvements in cost structures on projects we've done together because we were able to really, really get a better telecom situation in place. Think about the, the value your company is bringing to the table. Before a dollar, you got eight or nine dollars. Now a dollar, you're getting twenty dollars, and so there, that that's got the multiple effect. And you're and you're really doing a great job of identifying what those opportunities are, and that that's part of a value creation plan because. And it's not just a cost savings. It's a cost savings that can be applied towards further value creation in the company. So we've even bundled your, your telecom services with our IT roadmaps as, hey, listen, yeah, you got it's a $150,000 roadmap, but chances are we're going to save you a lot more than $150,000 in telecom costs that's going to more than pay for this and projects that come out of it. So, Yeah, let's talk about the roadmap because we talked a lot about diligence pre-deal. That roadmap... What's the value to private equity? Because the the further the PE guys get, especially in the larger firms from IT, I think the less value they sometimes see in it until you explain the benefit of these roadmaps to these IT leaders that need the help. We use the term roadmap because it is strategic, but we believe strategy is not enough. We believe it's got to get down to the brass tacks of who's doing what, what the benefits, what the costs are. It's all about, again, aligning and prioritizing, right? Because there's always... There's always four outcomes to a roadmap. Do nothing and do everything. And then there's two in the middle. And you're always doing one of the two in the middle. You're never doing nothing and you're never doing everything. You know, we've had situations where the outcome was $20 million in spending, but we ended up doing like four or five million in really key areas, right? What the roadmap is, if you think about it in terms of business, there's business sections and technology sections. 
The business sections are, you know, what's the strategic direction of this company? Where are we going with this company? We're, we're not critiquing it or commenting on it. We're just understanding it. And that's why we have to have industry specialists that understand that. In that strategy are business objectives, priorities, competitive factors, all those things that set the stage of where we are taking this company. We're a retail business with 20 locations, or we're going to 500, and this is our biggest competitor. And these are the things we really need to do well to compete. So you really get that picture. Then there's an operational view, right? In the operational view, if it's a manufacturing business, it's from the, you know, you're, you're end to end kind of mapping out how people do their work in the interaction between departments. So if you're a manufacturing business, as I said before, you know, from the time you, you market, sell, take an order, procure raw, make, schedule it, make it, get it outside the door and counting in your financials, we want to understand how people are doing their work because that's, that's telling us how systems are supporting it. Do I have to go to a filing cabinet to, to, to get something out or, or is the system telling me do, to do it? So that kind of lays the groundwork. We know strategically where this is going. We know, you know, operation, how we're working. Then we're diving into the, the technology function, right? If you will, the technical processing environment, which has three, three, three elements to it. There's the organization, which is the people, the policy, procedures, practices, disaster recovery. There's the application portfolio, enterprise applications, artificial intelligence, business, business intelligence, you know, financial systems, whatever it is, the applications. And then there's obviously the technical infrastructure, you know, the, the, the hardware and the pipes that data and, and voice flow on. So we're kind of, we got this picture of where the business is going. We got this current picture of where technology is. Now we need to create the future picture and what the gap and how we get there. That gap, there's going to be all kinds of things to do. But what comes out of the roadmap is a timeline and a set of recommendations and it's in our approach is to work very closely with the portfolio company. It's we like to say we don't come for 12 weeks, we don't come one week and well, 12 weeks later deliver a report. We come, we do an analysis, we review, we repeat, come back, we repeat back. Here's what we heard. Did we hear that right? Did we hear this right? And then we do that on the business and technology side. And then once we get to the direction, we come up with the options and say, okay, here's the four options that we see. That would work. That wouldn't work here. We're working with the portfolio company because these people know what they're doing. They, 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 they understand their business. They understand their technology. What we're bringing is a process to the table. Once we've identified what the viable options are, and there's, there's again, there's typically three or four options because eventually you're going to go to a board for approval. Then we go away and we dive into the details of our knowledge of that organization, of their people, of who they have available, of their cost structures. We kind of lay out the detailed plan on how this is all going to get done in each one of the options and then timelines for each one of those options and then come back and together. Typically, we have the, the client, you know, IT organization presented to the business community because it is their roadmap. But it's very, very strategic, but it's also very, very tactical. And, and you got to get down to that level because what, what good is a strategic vision direction if it's not broken down? How are you going to get it done? It's not a good at all. <laughs> It serves no purpose, really. You ultimately end up wasting a lot of time if it doesn't come along with an execution plan, you know, and potentially the staff to, to actually do it. You know, going back even in your opening statements, right? I mean, you're talking about the dry powder, and I mean, certainly we're seeing it as far as just the activity in the market. What do you think is is potentially changing on the horizon here? I mean, obviously we've got a lot of volume that's out there, but what 
what do you see as kind of the next frontier for for you guys or even for private equity as they're out there assessing you know where to put them the consistency is what's our liquidity event what's the exit strategy when we and we exit how do we max, maximize our exit value and at the same time have a business that has a viability that goes beyond that because buyers are smart they know they know if you've just done ad backs and cut things out they know that, that what they're inheriting so I, I think what's consistent is is that it's it's you we got to have a a really good value creation plan and you have to have something that's implemented that that's going to make sense that's going to work and they're not inheriting some something else that's why in a lot of cases we have clients that reach out that they do on sell side diligences you know sell side diligence for us is the same many of the same things we would look at if we were buying the company so i think there it, it's sticking to that i think i don't think i know they're spending a lot more money on diligence than they did in the fat past. They got to get it right. You know, when back in 03, as I said, nobody did IT diligence. And, you know, the, the, the theory was, hey, you know, we, we let we hire CEOs and CFOs for that. We don't really need your services. They can they can do that. They, they definitely it is definitely the CEOs and CFOs, you know, decision to leverage our, our services. And we always know that we got to get it right. But if we get it wrong, we're never getting recommended again by that private equity firm. But by the same token, those portfolio companies, and those CEOs and CFOs are are pretty sharp, very secure people, and they and they they expect the help. And so, as a private equity firm, you need to be able to demonstrate: I'm not just buying your company and putting money into it. I'm bringing resources to the table. So, back in '03, very rarely did you see an operating partner. It was all about financial engineering. And then over time, people hired one here and there. Now, each one of these private equity firms, or many of them, most of them, are hiring operating partners. And now, IT operating partners. You never saw IT operating partners five or six years ago. And they're hiring IT operating partners because these are folks that are, have experience, that have been around the block, that work well with people like us and, and, and know, you know, know, what's, know what's real out there. So I, I think there's, there's much more investment in understanding the company when I buy it, you know, get, getting an improvement plan, not in place three years into it, but right away, realizing the benefits and increased profitability while we got the business and maximizing. It's kind of like a house, right? My wife always said, why, why, do, we wait? why do people wait till they sell a house to, to, to make it nicer? Why don't we enjoy it while we have it? And same thing here. Why, why don't we make the company better earlier on? And plus, it takes time. It takes time. What you're talking about with this move away from financial engineering, right? You have to actually create real value in this yes. company, you know? And to your point, like that takes time. You know, you're going to change the customer experience. You're going to acquire, you know, new target markets. Like this isn't an accounting play. I mean, this is, this is really rolling up your sleeves, often partnering with that operating partner and the management team and getting to work. It's exciting. I mean, I, I yeah. personally, I actually really enjoy that it's it's going that direction. I think it allows yes. us to do things that are a lot more exciting and strategic in the technology. You know, there was a time we were kind of doing commodity type plays. Hey, we're going to drive down the cost. It's nothing that's transformative. But now, I mean, the conversations we're having around, you know, contact center and changing customer experience or even even just transforming networks to, to deliver better application performance, you know relatively simple things that are becoming pretty strategic in nature and a key part of the value creation plan. I mean, it's, it's exciting times for us. Yeah. You just said something really interesting and I should have brought that word up transformation. I mean, it's all about transformation, but transformation has different definitions sometimes. And you just said it so well, 
transformation, like we do a lot of TMOs, transformation management offices, and how this business is going to make some major changes. And there's lots of things and work streams that need to get there. How do we make sure that they're clearly defined, organized, and executed? And, you know, I'm, I'm a boating guy. So when I navigate, I want to know the waypoint. I'm an hour into it. I'm in the middle of nowhere. What buoy am I supposed to hit? Same thing with the transformation management office. How do we know we're, we're getting where we need to get? And there's some crazy stuff implementing some kind of AI application that makes a huge difference in understanding your customers and being able to react. And transformation could be something, like you said, it could be something simple in your network. It could be defining what transformation is for this business. And in the mid-market, and particularly the lower mid-market, it's about taking that company that was founder-owned and transforming it into more of an institutional business and you can't take it to the moon yet. And a lot of times, you know, you see people, they're, they're either way to the left, and then all of a sudden they try to take this business way to the right. Treat it like it's a, it's a half a billion dollar business. You got to be, I have a saying, there's doing things right and doing the right things. Sometimes doing the right things isn't doing everything right, but it is still transformative because we're going to focus on these things that are going to make the biggest difference to this business. So the next acquirer, whether it's strategic financial, can take it to the next level from there. Yeah. And, you know, the investment thesis over time, right, can totally change. You know, you take that yes. founder owned company, like, okay, we're going to operationalize this business and make it able to scale. But once you get that, like the next acquire, maybe it's a platform play. They're like, hey, this is, this is a really solid operational business. We're going to bring this in and we're going to start bolting things onto it. And then, you know, the, the next one, who knows what it's going to be. But right. that life cycle of a company, you know, it's, that transformation is going to be different every time and what it is. Yep. Absolutely. You're, you're right on as usual. John, before we get you out of here, and we could talk all day, but I know we can't. I was going to ask you a couple quick hitters that we usually ask, but I want to get some first-hand account. You guys got acquired two years ago. Yes. What was that, what was that like? Tell me about it. You know, it, it, it exceeded expectations for me. The, the, we, we, I like to say we had three different kinds of buyers. We had what I would call financials, you know, your private equity firms, strategics in the Near East Street. Financials, we had a lot of private equity firms that were interested in us. And, and the whole process was flattering because we had over a dozen LOI intents before we settled. I was just a little bit concerned about being owned by a private equity firm and serving private equity. And there's plenty of consulting firms out there that do it really well and it's not an issue, but it was for me. The second category is strategics. And my concern with that was, well, we've, we've created this really unique culture of urgency and gratefulness and really acting in our client's best interests. How do I explain to my team, by the way, you just got, we're getting acquired by the strategic and you're all going to go in a hundred different directions. And the only answer is you did it for money, as far as I was concerned. Then the third was Erie Street. Erie Street interested me because, and it's maintained that interest. The founder is a guy named Terry Gronke. He's wildly successful entrepreneur grown many, many businesses. He, he, he operated, ran a family office, then started his own fund that was very successful in Chicago for about 10 plus years, and then started his own family office again, which is Erie Street. And Erie is a is, is two sides. There's an advisory side, which we're the platform for that. And the other side is the capital side. We have 34 high net worth families that co-invest with us on, on various companies. So that that's what really excited me was, you know, being part of a firm that the people have built businesses before and have hands-on done that. So it's been great. It's been fantastic. It really has. Awesome, man. That's great. Well, we appreciate not only the partnership, but taking a few minutes out of your day and, and chatting with us, man. Great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day. That's a wrap. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Great talking to John. 
like we said on the pod, over a decade now working with these guys, how have you seen that relationship materialize? Because I know when we came in about five, six years ago, it looked like one thing and it looks a little different now. Yeah, I mean, John alluded to it there, right? I mean, specifically, the nature of the relationship has changed as it relates to those value creation activities. I think there's a lot more of that. The operational efficiencies, we used to do a lot of that, still do a lot of that. I mean, it's still bread and butter. And we, we talked about it there, right? It's like it's not like any of those things went away. Right. It's just you have to do those and also, you know, what's what's next. So, you know, we used to do a lot of just straight expense reduction, right? In whatever whatever format that looked like as it related to IT spend. Still do a whole lot of that. You know, the nature of of our work has changed. And part of that's been through the relationship with them and, you know, the demands that that they've had as well as our clients. You know, I mean, people are looking for more than just operational efficiencies. They're looking at how do we use the existing technology we have, the technology in the marketplace, how do we use it to drive value creation activity? Yeah. And you hit, I mean, we said the word several times, value creation. What does it look like? It kind of looks different depending on the situation you're dropped into. It looks different to the partner you're being leveraged by. Sometimes it's carrying, you know, s- some of their weight. It, all, it obviously always looks different depending on the client. If you're talking to a CFO, a procurement leader, an IT leader, and then all the way back up to the, to the private equity firm. So I think the one thing that we can rally around, regardless of how and where we're working with PIP, is that we are you know, aligned in our vision that we are there to maximize value creation. You know, the other thing, and John mentioned it even in the, in the intro, you know, when he first got into private equity, he mentioned it actually twice in the podcast. You know, it's really great if you do good work. And I think that that is the other piece that has aligned us consistently is both firms know, you know, it's always about more than this work stream and this client. You know, it's about a relationship with a private equity firm and also your reputation in that industry. It's a pretty small industry and word gets around, you know, so that is the other piece that has consistently aligned us. And, you know, I assume will continue to for, you know, for as long as the relationship lasts is that focus on producing quality work because, you know, we're at stake always. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, being a consulting firm focused on private equity is a little like masochism because you know that if you do not perform, you are not being used again. And it takes so long to create relationships, which finally leads to trust with these folks. So it is one of those things that it's put up and shut up every single time you're trusted to go into one of their portfolio companies. And just another thing that, you know, it's great to go to market with with a firm with aligned vision and values as as resourceful. Yeah, you crack me up every time you bring in a new client and you're like, all right, Kyle, we gotta we gotta make sure we do a good job. I'm like, every single time. Every <laughs> single time. When, when, when are we not? You know? <laughs> the riot act is read every single time. Oh my God, finally cracked XYZ. It's been three years of relationship building. Now let's go blow it out with them. And look, it it <laughs> puts a lot of wind behind my sail, let's put it that way. So Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll be back again next week with another one. Thanks for listening to The Wrap, Resourceive as a podcast. For more information about Resourceive and how we are creating value for our clients, find us at resourceive.com or reach out to us directly at therap at resourceive.com.